Farmers today are facing rising costs, volatile markets, and extreme weather. The Better Way to Farm podcast digs into strategies to help you take control of farm inputs and maximize profit so your farm can thrive for generations. Remember to take advantage of our free resources at abetterwaytofarm.com. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Happy holidays from A Better Way to Farm. Hey, Rod here, where we are working to increase yields and improve profits each and every single day. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're doing the 12 days of nutrients, and today is day five, and we're going to talk about calcium. Now, we're also going to talk about some other things because we can't isolate just one nutrient, but today our focus is on calcium. As we launch off in here, the first thing we always try to cover is what does it do? Some of the things that it's important for is it is utilized for continuous cell division and formation. It is involved in nitrogen metabolism, and it reduces plant respiration. It aids in translocation of photosynthesis from the leaves into the fruiting organs. It increases fruit set. It is essential for nut development in peanuts. And guys, here's the big one. It stimulates microbial activity. We have a lot of people trying to sell bugs in a jug. And you guys know that I believe that if we'll do the other things right in our soil, perhaps. I'm not saying those don't work. I don't know. But what I do know is when we have the right amount of all the nutrients in our soil, the bugs flourish. And so if we can stimulate microbial activity with adequate calcium, then that's what we need to do. That's what we need to look at. And I am a firm, firm believer in that. You know, we get people that reach out to us and I look at soil tests and they have a pH of 4.8 and their calcium levels are very low and they're wanting to know what do I do. And sometimes I look at soil tests and they have a high pH, but their calcium levels are still low. What do I do? We have to apply the calcium. One of the big mistakes that we have made in agriculture is we only look at pH in relationship to calcium or we only look at calcium in relationship to pH. We try to go in here and have it be this is the one size fits all. Your pH is low, we add calcium. Your pH is high, we don't add calcium. And sometimes there's other things that weigh into that. One of the things that we learned on day four was applying high mag lime will raise your pH. It will actually raise your pH faster than using high calcitic lime. But the difference is, is that it is not in a manner in which we want. When we have too much mag in the soil, that is at the expense of a lot of other things. It can be at the expense of potassium. It's definitely at the expense of calcium. And we need to use, if we have high mag and we're trying to do anything in there, it needs to be with high calcium lime because we're going to drive some of that mag off the soil colloid. We're going to replace it with the calcium and we're going to talk more about that here as we go on starting in the midwest handbook guys you can download this or you can buy it and i really encourage you to do that to take a look at this it's it's a simple read it's one of the easier reads that there are but it is loaded with good information i'm not going to go through all of this but it says that calcium plays an important role in the fertility of soils some plants such as alfalfa clovers and certain leafy vegetables require large amounts of calcium Plants of these types thrive when the predominant base in the soil is calcium. If other bases such as magnesium, potassium, or sodium are present in amounts equal to or higher than calcium, nutritional disturbances occur. Guys, it's just not in those leafy vegetables and alfalfas and clover. It's very much that way in corn and soybeans. Calcium has many functions. It is associated with the development of protein. It assists in root development. 
and the movement of carbohydrates within the plant. It is needed for the formation of cell walls, seed production, and other processes. If the plant is low in calcium, the growth will be adversely affected. Guys, this is one of the reasons that some of the people that we work with choose to take a pint of archelated calcium and row apply it. Not because it's, it's never going to adjust your pH. Hear me well. That is not a pH fix. What it does do is it gives that baby plant some plant available calcium right at the moment that it germinates. Calcium and sugar, especially in soybeans, has shown tremendous response. And if you guys are interested in that, you can reach out to us or come to our Fundamentals of Agronomy training. We talk quite a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit out of the Western Fertilizer Handbook here. A couple things, and we're going to talk about what do the deficiencies look like because we always want to be able to identify the deficiencies. Now, I'm going to tell you that we would much prefer that we do a tissue test. We would much prefer that we never see a deficiency visually. Guys, most of the time, your visual threshold on soybean cyst nematode, on nutrients, on micronutrients, oftentimes that visual deficiency is 15 bushel. We don't want to wait until we've lost 15 bushel to get there. Please remember that calcium along with magnesium and sulfur are the secondary nutrients in the soil. And so calcium, mag, and sodium are usually considered in the light of their effect on the physical conditions of the soil. Guys, it's really important. These three are not only plant essential nutrients, but they're super essential to having that soil structure the way that we want it. And we know that if the, the soil is high, especially extremely high in magnesium, we will find a calcium deficiency in the plants, among other things. We don't want to find that, so we want to make sure we're doing what we need. Talking about how to treat alkali soils, soil treatments with gypsum, sulfur, sulfuric acid, iron sulfate, etc. are useful. Calcium reacts with the absorbed sodium to form sodium salts and the calcium saturated or normal soil. With the improved soil condition resulting from the application of these chemicals, the newly formed salts can be removed from the soil by leaching with water. So if you're fighting a high sodium soil, don't let your pH fool you. There is a chance that that is a false pH or not, it's an actual pH, but it's being heavily influenced by the sodium in the soil. And if we're gonna try and drive that sodium out with some of those different mixtures there that they had, it is paramount that we have adequate calcium in there to come in and fill in. Again, out here, the exact function of calcium is somewhat obscure, but is believed to be of help in the translocation of carbohydrates. It is essential to healthy cell walls, and it will aid in the development of root structure. Guys, driving roots is so important. You know our belief in potassium. This weighs heavily into our potassium talk, because why? There are six or 7,000 pounds of potassium in the top six inches. There are 360,000 pounds of potassium in the top six feet. Let's drive the roots. How are we going to drive the roots? One of the things is we're going to have correct calcium there and getting that to be done. What are your symptoms? Some of the things that you could look for visually. I hope it never gets this far, but the growing point or your terminal bud will die under extreme deficiencies. Margins of are, that are affected are usually the younger leaves and they have a scalloped appearance and the foliage is not so affected as usually it's kind of an abnormal dark green, strangely enough. There's a tendency for plants to shed their blossoms and buds prematurely. The stem structure is severely weakened. Guys, this is going to go a long ways towards helping withstandability. And in corn, 
one of the things that we learned when we were working in corn production was we would see whips. And at that time in my life, I didn't know what they were. I just knew there'd be a whole bunch of leaves wrapped around that tassel because it wouldn't, the leaves wouldn't unfurl the way that they should. If you're seeing a lot of those whips, yeah, it can be hybrid specific, but more than likely it's a calcium deficiency that we need to be taking a look at and making sure that we are meeting that need. So let's check that soil. But guys, this is why we don't wanna just do an NPK pH test. We need to be looking at all of the nutrients. We wanna look at all of the secondaries. We wanna look at all of the micros. We wanna make sure that we're addressing everything that there is. And calcium is one of those things that's really super important. Working out of life and energy. Calcium determines the volume of the crop and is the major element against which other nutrients react to release energy. In other words, calcium impacts every single other nutrient that we have. It is also a major constituent of in all cell membranes. We don't want those cell walls to rupture. We want them to, to divide and become more and more and more. And it's nature's detoxifier, meaning that it has a great capacity for neutralizing toxicities either through transmutation or chemical physically bonding. Guys, when calcium is sufficiently present, the biological entity, whether it be a single cell, a plant, an animal, or a human, is able to discard toxins readily and does not have the magnetic attraction for those toxins to be stuck in. And guys, we wanna make sure we're looking at this. Now, one of the things that I found very interesting was a line that, that Dr. Anderson wrote was this. The reason that calcium is overlooked centers on a lack of knowledge about pH. It is taught that the soil pH relates directly to the need for limey, which is the term given to the application of dry calcium. People with important sounding titles and degrees persuade farmers who don't know the technical jargon of the calcium requirements of the soil that are determined by its pH. I want to really embrace that, guys. You might want to rewind it and hit it again because the bottom line is he's saying that the industry has done a disservice because we haven't focused on the role of calcium. We've just tried to fix everything by getting the pH to where it is that you want it. And we want to make sure that we're doing the right things here. At the lower calcium levels, which we have in America today, greater amounts of acid fertilizers must be applied to achieve a given volume. The catch is that the volume achieved via this practice is not synonymous with quality, as is improved by the current use of chemicals for insects and disease control. He's talking about being able to do some things here, not maybe buying all the chemicals, but just doing plant health. Grasses such as foxtail and quack grass are generally present if there is a calcium deficiency. Those are a good sign that our, that our calcium is short, as if we're seeing foxtail or quack grass in the field. As we move over here to the last deal out of this book that I want to share with you, he's got it labeled under nice to know information. Dandelions. <laughs> Dandelions are a common weed in lawns and fields. They are a red light signal of the following sequential nutrient deficiencies. So if you have a lot of dandelions, these are your deficiencies in order. Calcium, number one, phosphate, vitamin A, and iron. Correct these deficiencies and the dandelions will disappear. 
What an interesting way to fix that dandelion problem. Just apply the right nutrients, and all of a sudden we can make those things just simply go away. Guys, another thing that was in that book, in Life and Energy, he talked extensively about, we did this yesterday, too much nitrogen burns calcium. Too much nitrogen, as it leaves, it takes calcium with it. It never takes magnesium, it always takes calcium. And so we can reduce the amount of calcium in the soil. Remember, it's one of the reasons that anhydrous has got the wrap for tightening soils because it tends to take the calcium out, which elevates the magnesium. And we know a lot of magnesium in the soils make it tight. Absolutely. We also know when we use too much in and we burn the calcium out, we attract pests. And he talked about the fact that we are purchasing pesticides in order to treat symptoms, but actually we are not treating the root cause. And he would talk about getting things right from the fertility standpoint and reducing the need for pesticides. Will we ever get rid of the need for pesticides? Probably not. Can we reduce the need for pesticides? Yeah, probably quite a little bit. As we start looking at hands-on agronomy, this guy, all of these guys find calcium to be the real deal. They, they know the importance of it and they just hammer on how much that there is. I related how when farmers cleared timber out in our area and planted soybeans, the first year they got about 50 bushel, the next year about 40, the next year about 30, which is where it generally stayed. I analyzed for pH, P, and K and the soil audits, the test showed nothing wrong. I never got to meet Dr. Albrecht, but I wish I would have because here's what he said. Dr. Albrecht knew soils. He had worked with and understood soils from all over the world, including the basic soils of the Midwest. And he provided a sensible, practical answer to my questions. Now, wait a minute, he said. You live over on the Mississippi River and you're getting in that heavy gumbo, yes? That is why your beans didn't get very tall. They got tall the first place because you had some free calcium. Now, when you take a regular soil test and send it in, you only check pH, phosphate, and potassium. You'll never find the problem. Actually, pH is influenced by a lot more than calcium. Heavy clay soils are high in magnesium, and that is what's keeping your soil pH high. If we had checked the various nutrients in the soil and put on the limestone that we need to get our calcium levels up, then the beans would have gotten back to the size where they were in the first place. You are losing out because calcium is what puts all the other nutrients in that plant. And guys, that's really important. Calcium is the first thing that we need to address. It's the first dollar that we need to spend in order to make things work. And it is just paramount that we do that. The science of the soil has done much for our better understanding of how the soil and plant roots interact to make crops grow. From better understanding, some principles have resulted for better guidance of our farming practices. Liming the soil is one of those practices improved through science. We formally encourage liming as a struggle against acidity. It is now practiced to put calcium in the soil for the nutritional service to the crops. It helps them in their synthesis of proteins and other complex compounds of higher food values to man and to beast. It is associated with the soil's microbial processes that build up soil nitrogen. It is effective in making green manure and other organic matter decay more rapidly and release their fertility into crop production. Please remember, well, yesterday we learned that when we had too much mag, we actually, in that decaying process, we formed an alcohol and that sterilized the soil. That's why having adequate calcium means we have 
the right amount of magnesium and we're actually getting that stuff to break down much faster and decay the way that we want it. However, this soil treatment must be judiciously connected with other treatments. It must not be used excessively. Guys, there are people out there with a one nutrient solution. Some people run around saying, just do this with your calcium. Just get your base saturation to this point. There are others saying, just do this with a lot of P and K. There are others that are just saying, this salt, just this product, just this nutrient, or just that nutrient. And guys, it's not that simple. It just simply isn't. There are no silver bullets. It's about doing everything correctly. And once we start to do everything correctly, then we're going to get along a whole lot better. So I jump forward into the book. I work mostly out of this one tonight. When we apply limestone and mix it with the soil, we have a mixture which is only partially ready to support a crop. Not until the calcium in the limestone has been disintegrated and become part of the colloidal complex in the soil through base exchange reactions does the growing crop benefit from the calcium in the limestone. If the limestone is applied to the soil and it remains dry, the limestone remains ineffective. If it is too coarse, it may not be effective very rapidly. And that's a quote by VA Tegens. And I'm going to get into the coarseness of that here in a little bit. I'm going to talk about the size of the grind because that's everything in what we're doing. That is paramount to make sure we're getting that right. We want to make sure that we have it fine enough that it can actually break down and do what it says. There's a huge difference between a six screen and a hundred screen. Okay. The cation calcium should be at 60 to 70% of the saturation of the soil. In other words, 60 to 70% of the minerals on the colloid should be calcium. The correct number for mag should be between 10 and 20. We like 12 and 15. Maybe not going to be upset if that calcium's up to 75, but just some things to think about when we're looking at what those levels are because we're looking at parts per million and we're looking at base saturations. That's what makes the world go round when we do that. Please remember, we talked about this on day four, 150 bushel corn crop takes about 28 pounds of calcium and 28 pounds of magnesium. And so we're removing those at an equal pace. We want to make sure that we've got plenty in there. Again, reiterating, as nitrate nitrogen moves through the soil, much of it converts to nitric acid, which then leaches available calcium. That's why the overuse of, of nitrogen has been shown to make the soils tighter. We want to make sure we're not doing that. We got to have that extra, you know, amount of calcium in there for what we're going to do if we're going to make everything work right. Remember this. We said it on day four. We're going to say it again. Magnesium pound for pound can raise the pH up to 1.67 times as high as calcium. One and two thirds. A soil high in magnesium but low in calcium can test above 6.5 but will be entirely inadequate for growth. Why we don't have enough available calcium. And I'd already talked about the residues breaking into alcohol there a little bit ago. Under these circumstances, larger and increasing amounts of nitrogen and fertilizer minerals will be required just to maintain normal crop yields. Large applications of nitrogen will consume larger amounts of calcium as well as burn up crop residues and humus. You can get increased yields for a few years from this stored up wealth of humus, but eventually, you're going to have to pay the piper for this withdrawal, for all of this withdrawal that we're taking out. What are the advantages of liming acid soils? Well, 
Number one, we're going to lower the toxicity levels of aluminum and manganese. We need manganese. We're going to talk about it. A lot of people need to apply it. However, we want to make sure we don't have too much. I'm going to go ahead and throw in a, an ad here, just a short ad. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're interested, we did a webinar on soil testing, and I'm fairly certain if you'd reach out on here and say you'd like to have that link, Karen can provide that for you and get you that link on the soil testing webinar. But in there, I talked about why I'm not super excited about the Malik 3. Short version of Malik 3 is fast, it's easy, and it's cheap. I don't think that's why I'm testing my soil. I'm not trying to be fast. I'm not trying to be easy. I'm not trying to be cheap. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be accurate. And especially in micronutrients, it really leaves a lot to be desired in our estimation. However, when we are liming these acid soils, we are coming up with a lower level of toxic things like aluminum and manganese. That's going to, again, increase the microbial activity decomposition. It overcomes the potential for calcium deficiencies. It increases the symbiotic nitrogen fixation in legumes. And guys, proper calcium increases the availability of phosphorus and moly. Want to make sure that we're getting those into the plant, and the best way to do that is have the right amount on. Pay attention, please, because this is really important. We want to make sure that we are getting this right, because they just want to say, oh, lime is lime. It doesn't matter if it's high mag or if it's high calcium. It doesn't matter what size of grind it is. It doesn't matter anything. Yes, it does. If I spread road rock in my cornfield, I have a lot of calcium applied, but I do not have any calcium that's in a plant available form. So... Lime will react in one to three years when the particle size allows at least 60% to pass through a 100 mesh screen. 60% through a 100 mesh. I looked at a lime test the other day. Only 60% would go through a 6 mesh screen. And there was like nothing going through the 100 mesh. Guys, what passes through an 8 mesh provides only about a 10% breakdown over those same three years. That's huge. That's huge. So if it goes through the 100 mesh, you get 60%, and 60% goes through the 100 mesh, you get about 100% breakdown over 36 months. If it's only going through an 8 mesh, you only get about 10%. A 20 mesh would get you about 40%. A 60 mesh will get you about 75%. But guys, we want to make sure if we can get 100% through a 100 mesh screen, it means nearly 100% availability over the next 36 months. And we want to make sure we're getting everything that we can out of that lime. It's one of the problems with letting calcium get deficient. We ride the yield curve down because why? The soil structure isn't as good. The mag's too high. The nutrients aren't available. We ride it all the way to the bottom. Then we put some lime on down here and it doesn't jump up. It takes 36 months to come back up. We can ride that yield curve on the low side for six or seven years if we aren't careful. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure we're getting it to where we need it to be. Iron availability starts to decrease between a pH of six and seven, meaning if there's barely enough, meaning trouble if there's barely enough iron. As the calcium is raised, the iron level decreases. We want to think about this though. Where I live, we have outrageous iron levels. And we want to make sure that we decrease that as much as we can. Guys farming here with a 5.5 pH are really hurting themselves because of all the iron that's getting into that plant. And it's at the expense of a lot of other things and creates a big need for manganese, as we well know. A deeper look into the human body discovers that nothing can live without calcium and magnesium. It has been proven that calcium is the most important element among all the plant food elements.
So of everything else that we get, this is the big kahuna. This is number one, and we want to make sure that we have it right. If we don't have it right, we're going to pay the price. Let's talk about trying to fix those high mag soils because a lot of times people say, well, let's just use some sulfur and sometimes it works better and sometimes it doesn't. Let's talk about why is that. If we put sulfur on a high magnesium soil, it will reduce the magnesium provided there is already sufficient calcium present. Guys, until we put calcium in that soil to drive that mag off that soil colloid, we are kidding ourselves. We are not going to make this happen. It is not going to come about at the pace that we want. We're not going to get the response that we want. And it's paramount that we get the calcium correct. Nitrogen drives out calcium. They're going to hit this again. Calcium never takes out magnesium, but as it leaches downward, the passenger status of calcium is assured. Removal of 10% calcium by a nitrogen oversupply will increase the mag by 10. There you go. That's why we don't want to let that happen. We want to, A, we don't want to overuse our nitrogen, and B, we don't want to have too much of the not enough calcium in there, so we've got to have that to go away. Use of ammonium sulfate when the calcium saturation is above 60% means taking out magnesium at the same time for better control of any accesses. One more time, base saturation rate at least 60% calcium to make the other things do what we want them to do. We like ammonium sulfate. It's a great product in a high mag situation, but we have to have at least 60, and I'd be a lot happier at a 70 percent base saturation rate. Although sulfur occurs in the soil as a sulfate ion, the major soil source for sulfur is humus. The higher the humus, the less likely the need for sulfur. This is one of the many reasons we've seen the sulfur need take off. We're going to talk about that in day six. Therefore, the humus level and the rate of its increase or destruction is an index to sulfur availability. Bottom line is that overuse of N will burn out the humus, which will destroy the sulfur and that's also gonna be taking out the calcium as we go about this, and we don't want to do that. In addition to the use of sulfur as a plant nutrient and as a pesticide, I found that interesting, it is also used to help with control of excesses such as magnesium or sodium. Sulfur will not begin to reduce the excessive magnesium or sodium until the calcium can be increased and maintained at or above 60% saturation. Therefore, calcium normally must be increased to slightly above that from another calcium source before the sulfur and the gypsum can begin to work. And again, guys, multiple places, 60 is the absolute bare minimum, and we would be a lot better off going into the 70 realm. Lastly, just one thing quick out of from the soil up here on calcium. Well, there's a bunch of stuff here, but I'm in the interest of time. Guys, thank you for bearing with us. I know we're going about a half hour on these, but there's just so much information that we want to get out. We want to make sure we're getting this right, and it is this. This too points out why liming by pH alone has simply little basis for logic. For instance, it is possible for a high-sodium soil to have an 8-0 or higher pH, but to be low in calcium. The 8 plus pH would be no reason to ignore calcium. Guys, so much of what we think we know about calcium just isn't true. And we've got to worry about not just the pH, but we've got to get after this thing and make sure we're getting it correct in all ways in regards to the calcium that we need in order to grow that crop. 
<laughs> Matthew Gibson. Yep, you might as well put it on your driveway. That's probably very true. Guys, I appreciate you tuning in. And guys, we have got a whole bunch of the two-day fundamentals of agronomy training where we go into this kind of stuff deep and work on how it is that we can make more money in 2024 than if we just continue to do it the same old way. We would love for you to reach out. If you reach out, someone from the team will contact you very, very shortly. You can always send a text to 641-919-1206. Guys, we appreciate you very much. I hope your holiday is going great. We had a chance to decorate one of our Christmas trees tonight with three of the grandkids. What a blessed time that was. And I hope you guys are having some fun doing that too. And take a few minutes for the family here. Let's not forget the reason for the season. So guys, happy holidays from Rod and all the gang at A Better Way to Farm. And we truly do hope you're having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.